Are you a follower of Jesus Christ who's done being quiet? Are you ready to tell the world whose you are, totally, fearlessly, and unapologetically? And are you ready to smash that imaginary wall that supposedly divides your career and faith life? Welcome to the C-Suite for Christ podcast, where we talk about living as a disciple of Christ in the world of work. Before we get to the content we have in store for you today, here's a quick word from our sponsor. Christians across the U.S. are rising up and banking with their values, and they are banking with Christian Community Credit Union. A trusted institution for over 65 years, Christian Community Credit Union is America's leader in biblical banking solutions. With low-cost auto loans, mortgages, personal loans, as well as products to help grow your money that include high-interest checking, savings, CDs, and so much more. The money you entrust with Christian Community Credit Union enables them to provide affordable financing to help churches and ministries grow. And with their new Cash Rewards Visa card, earn cash back while supporting Christian charities. It's time to bank with your values. Join Christian Community Credit Union today. Learn more at mycccu.com slash c-suite. That's mycccu.com slash c-suite membership eligibility required join other christian executives in running your business based on christian values to learn more visit the nehgroups.com Well, hey there, Paul M. Neuberger, the founder of C-Suite for Christ, coming at you here. Thank you so much for joining us for yet another edition of the C-Suite for Christ podcast. It is a blessing to have you here. And usually what I do is I start every show with just kind of like a quick announcement or an update. I mean, there is just so much going on within our ministry. We are now an international ministry. We have members in 33 different countries. We've got nearly 20 chapters planted all over the world, including a few uh, internationally. So lots of stuff going on. There's always several announcements. But rather than an announcement or an update, I want to give you a tip. Because one of the things you hear us talk a lot about at the C-Suite for Christ podcast is the Great Commission. That's the firm foundation upon which we stand. Every single thing we do is designed to make disciples of all nations, to get people to have an intimate relationship with their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So one of the things that we do as an organization is we work with our members and our guests and our stakeholders on how to be very bold and unapologetic for Christ, how to start conversations about Christ, how to bring up faith-based topics in a very secular environment. Now, that's not easy It can be very difficult, and accordingly, if you start to do that, you can plan on getting a decent amount of pushback. Now, I've cut my teeth primarily on social media. At the time of this recording, I've got about 51,000 followers 
on LinkedIn on my personal page. C-Suite for Christ has about 107,100 followers on our LinkedIn page. So we've got a lot of exposure on LinkedIn. This is how we've grown our ministry. It's how we've created name recognition, brand awareness, that type of thing. And I'll tell you, one of the things that you got to get used to when it comes to social media is receiving some criticism, criticism from unbelievers, criticism from people that just don't think that stuff belongs on social media. So here's one tip that I just want to give you briefly, how to handle objections you get on social media, because some people say, well, when people say hateful things, I just ignore them. When people say hateful things, I remove the comment. When people say hateful things, I block that person. Now, maybe those could all be viable options, but it's going to be hard to cover the world in Christ if we're blocking people. It's going to be hard to cover the world in Christ if we're ignoring people. It's going to be hard to cover the world in Christ if we're removing content that they share on our social media posts. So this is what I want you to do. Start getting in the habit of responding to every single comment with a question. Let me just give you a perfect example. One of the biggest pieces of pushback I get on LinkedIn on a pretty regular basis is this. Paul, take this crap off of LinkedIn. This isn't Facebook. Hey, what the heck is this faith garbage doing on LinkedIn? Something like that. You don't have to defend it. You don't have to write a dissertation. You don't have to put seven paragraphs of response. The pressure is not on you. That's your page. That's your feed. Those are your beliefs. You didn't rub it in this person's face. You didn't go on this person's page and start sharing your beliefs. This person came to your page. This person is the one that's starting to attack you. You don't need to say more than necessary. Answer every single piece of criticism with a question. Paul, what the heck is this Christian garbage doing on LinkedIn? Take it to Facebook. My response could be very simple. Very simple. What's wrong with this on LinkedIn? Send and wait for their response. Now, their response could say, you're not supposed to proselytize and share this stuff on LinkedIn. A very simple question could be something like, oh, so do churches not belong on this platform? Just asking simple questions, because that's going to do two things. One, you're going to engage somebody who's not 100% in alignment with whatever you just posted. And that's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're called to do as Christians. It's going to be a great way to try to reach that person. It's going to be a great way to put that person kind of on the defensive. They need to come up with answers now for their bigotry. They need to come up with answers for their ignorance. They need to come up with answers now for their naivete. And pretty soon they're going to realize by the time I get, well, do churches not belong on here? Uh, bah, bah, uh, uh, whatever, bye. Well, they just realized it within, within two questions, I've shut them down. So it's a good way to engage them. It's a good way to try to cover the world in Christ. It's a good way to get them to realize, hey, I don't have any good arguments for believing what I believe. But the other thing is, from an algorithm perspective, if you look on LinkedIn, the number one thing that's going to get your post seen by a large audience are comments. If LinkedIn goes to your post and says, wow, this post already has a thousand comments compared to this one that has eight the post that has a thousand comments is going to be shared with a larger audience. LinkedIn is going to open up more markets. LinkedIn is going to put it on more walls. LinkedIn is going to open it up to more individuals, which means your content gets seen by more people, which means Christ gets set by seen by more people. So if you just engage in a back and forth with this one person, you do 10 comments, 
She does 10 comments. Next thing you know, that's 20 comments. LinkedIn goes, whoa, what's going on with that post? There's a lot of commentary. These people are trying to shut you up. These people are trying to shame you. These people are trying to embarrass you. And what happens? Just the opposite. They're contributing to the success of a post they don't like. That's my tip today. Anytime you post on social media, anytime you start to get those haters out there. Now, if, if they're if they're using unbelievably nasty words, get rid of them. If they're threatening you, block them and tell the authorities for sure. But if they're just doing stupid little stuff like, well, Paul, aren't you old enough to, aren't you too old to be believing in fairy tales like Jesus? Oh, I'm going to leave them on there. Well, what makes you think it's a fairy tale? And let's see where the conversation goes. Try that because the more you do that, the more people we're going to engage with, the more we're going to get people to realize, yeah, I don't have a good argument here. And the more the social media platform is going to open up new markets for us, which is absolutely outstanding. Speaking of outstanding, we've got an outstanding show lined up for you today. Our guest of honor is Aaron Cade. Aaron is the chief marketing officer at Christian Community Credit Union. This is not only a world-class organization, they're a good friend of the ministry. They bring value to a lot of our clients and a lot of our members here at C-Suite for Christ. And I can tell you, thank goodness, because, and we're going to talk about this, but when you look at the banking sector today. Gosh, there's a lot of words that come to mind, aren't there? Woke comes to mind. Anti-Christian comes to mind. Heartless comes to mind. The almighty dollar comes to mind. Some of these other things that maybe don't align with Christian values come to mind. If you need to do banking anyway, if you need loans anyway, if you need lines of credit anyway, if you need a lot of these instruments and these products and these services anyway, wouldn't you want to go to a bank that shares your values? And it's such a blessing to have an organization like Christian Community Credit Union bring value to our membership. And I can't wait for you to hear from Aaron Cade coming up here a little bit later on in the program. I, I want to put a couple of thoughts on your radar here. And maybe I'm, I'm thinking of this because my wife and I are going to be taking a vacation here shortly. And I've been really trying to find uh, some babysitters for our kids. Thankfully, I think God opened up some doors and the stars aligned and it's going to be working out really well. But I just want to walk you through a couple of different scenarios here. I don't know. Are you a pet lover? Now, I am. Uh, still haven't quite worked our way up to the, the big animals yet. We've had small children for a while. I think they're getting to the age now where we can start thinking about that. You know, we've got guinea pigs here. We've got, uh, what do we got? We got fish. We got a, a, a leopard gecko. You know, we got some of those those cool things. But let's imagine one of our neighbors decides, you know, I want to go on vacation for a little bit. I don't want to pay a kennel gobs of money. Could you guys watch our dog? H have you ever been asked to dog sit, cat sit, you know, pet sit of any kind? Even if it's something like a turtle all the way up to like a, a, a moose. Just kidding. Nobody has a moose as a pet. But, but, you know, maybe it's just like a turtle all the way up to a dog or something. If you have a pet, just think about how you interact with that pet. Think about how you act around your pet. The things you do your mannerisms toward it. Now, if you're anything like me, again, we don't have a dog or a cat now, but I, I had two cats before I met my wife and got married. Regrettably, my wife is just horribly allergic to cats. But um, so I had to find a new home for them, which was a tough thing to go through. Believe me, we'll talk more about that in a later episode when I need some therapy. But again, the way that I am with dogs that I've had or cats that I've had, I'm a pretty rough and tumble kind of guy. 
You know, I like to wrestle with the dog. I like to throw the cat in the air a little bit and catch him. You know, I'm not going to put him in the ceiling fan or anything, but I like to tumble. I like to be rough. I like to, you know, grab by the ears and, you know, just, I don't know. I just got all this pent up male aggression, whatever. I, I just tend to be a little bit more rough than I otherwise would be. Flipping the dog, whatever else, you know, when you would don't call Pete on me or anything, but that's just my style. That's how I am with my dogs, my cats, you know, the pets that I have love to get in their face and be a little rough and wrestle and, you know, just just be very touchy feely like that. Now, if one of my neighbors comes up to me and says, Paul, can you watch my dog for a week? How do you think my behavior would change? How would your behavior change if you were like me with these dogs and cats? You know, you're rough and you're you've got a certain way of work of, of being around them and being silly and being goofy. Would you be the same with this? New dog, would you be same the same with this dog that you're going to be dog sitting for a week? And speaking only for myself, my answer would probably be no. One, this isn't my dog. I don't really know what this dog likes, what this dog doesn't like. I don't know how this dog was brought up. Is this dog going to love this? Is this dog going to want to bite my head off because it thinks I'm attacking it? I don't know. But the other thing is, again, when I go back to my dog and hugging and rub, you know, roughhousing and rolling around on the floor... From time to time, you know, I, I get a little hurt, you know, because I've had it where the dog scratches you accidentally or bites you accidentally. It's like, oh, gosh. But vice versa, I've had it where I'm rolling with the dog and all of a sudden you hear that. Oh, sorry. Cow, darn it. I sat on its tail. I poked it in the eye. I'm so sorry. But it's my dog. You know, big deal. I wouldn't. What if that happened with this dog that I'm responsible for, with this dog that I'm stewarding, with this dog that I'm watching? I would hate to go back to my neighbor to say, oh, yeah, hey, you're going to notice the cast on the back leg of your dog. Sorry, I decided to throw him in the ear. He was heavier than I thought, and he came crashing down, and I broke its leg. That, that's not a good way to act around something that's not yours, right? That dog is not mine, so I got to be a little more gentle. That dog is not mine. I got to be a little bit more careful. That dog is not mine. I got to be a better steward over this dog because, again, the responsibility for this animal is somewhere else, not with me. Maybe you've had something similar. Let's say maybe it's not a dog. Maybe it's a car. You know, you find yourself in a situation or a circumstance where, you know, maybe somebody was going on vacation and rather than taking two different cars to the airport or whatever else, maybe they left one. Maybe they left your their car at your house. You get in your car. You drive them to the airport because you're going to pick them up when they arrive in a week. Later, you come back and their car is there. Their car is in your driveway. Their car is there. Imagine you had the keys to that car, which you probably should. You know, if it's you got to get it out of the rain or, you know, if it's a cold day, you, you want to start the engine once in a while just to make sure that the uh, the pipes don't freeze, whatever. Imagine if that car was way, 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 way nicer than yours. Maybe <laughs> rather than this simple little Toyota or Honda, here's a Maserati, a Jaguar, a BMW. You've always wanted one of those cars. Ooh. It's tempting to take it for a spin, isn't it? Now, think about how you drive. Think about how you are in your car. Now, I don't mind telling you, I love my wife. She's my best friend. My wife drives fast. If you're in law enforcement, you, you might want to watch out for her because she's normally 15 to 20 miles over the speed limit. She's gotten several tickets in her day. I love her, but she's got a bit of a lead foot. Sometimes she'll take the corners a little too fast. If you go inside of her car, for the most part, she keeps it fairly clean, but that's the main vehicle for our three kids. So there's McDonald's wrappers, there's toys, something's always spilling in there, and it's kind of messy. 
So she might drive her car in a certain way, a little bit more reckless, a little bit fast, take those turner, those corners a little bit fast. The inside gets a little dirty and junky again, because it's her car. It's our kids, whatever that Jaguar is sitting in the driving, uh, sitting in the driveway. Now, Tanya, my wife or you, I don't care who it is. Let's so fine. Let's just imagine it's you easier to pretend that way. You have that Jaguar in your driveway for a week. You can't just sit there. You've always wanted to take it for a spin, right? So you get in the Jaguar. How are you driving in that Jaguar? Are you going 15 to 20 miles over like you usually do? Or are you staying within the speed limit? Again, because it's not your car. Are Are you turning the corner really, really fast, almost hitting that grandmother waiting for the bus? Or are you coming to a complete stop, looking both ways, hands at 10 and 2, and then slowly turning onto the road? Do you have, is it just you in that uh, in that Jaguar, or do you have your kids in there? Are they drinking their high C? Did you stop at McDonald's or throwing French fries at each other? Or are you making sure it's just you, nobody else can even look at the car, let alone breathe on the car because it's not your car and you don't want to mess up the interior? There's a big difference, isn't there, if it's your car versus somebody else's car. Why? Again, it's not yours. You're responsible for it. You're stewarding it. You're watching over it. It belongs to somebody else, and that somebody else is important to you. You don't want them to come back, and the interior's all messed up. They're finding French fries everywhere. There's a crack in the windshield, and there's two speeding tickets because you were going way, way, way too fast. You would treat it a little bit different because it belongs to somebody else. Let's try one more. I could go on and on, but I'd like to do things in threes. Maybe you've heard this before. Once is an anomaly. Twice is a coincidence. Three times is a pattern. I like to do things in threes. It's just, and I think there's also something scientific and spiritual about the number three. Let's do this one. Imagine again, a neighbor, a parent, whomever is going out of town for a little bit. And maybe they have pets. Maybe they just, um, you know, they just want you to check on the house a little bit. Basically, you find yourself in a house sitting position. Think about where you live right now. Maybe you live in a house. Maybe you live in an apartment. Maybe you live in a condo. Maybe you have a roommate. I don't know. But think about your current living situation right now. And I just kind of want you to think about how you live. Are you this really OCD neat freak that has to have everything in order? Everything is spotless. Something is never, never out of order. Or, you know, are you maybe getting a little comfortable the bed's not made you got the dishes laying out a little bit longer than otherwise the kids have their toys out and it's like ah whatever it's not hurting anybody i'll leave it there you know you got a bit of a stain on the carpet you've been meaning to get to that for a couple of weeks you just haven't done that yet maybe your 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 underpants are lying around a little bit maybe oh crap i gotta do laundry yeah i gotta get to that how you live in your house, the things that you do, the actions that you take, the way that you spread out, the things that you do to make your mark in your house and your living quarters is going to be a little bit different than if you were house sitting. If I'm house sitting for my mom, if I'm house sitting for a neighbor, let's take a neighbor because this is a little bit different. My mom, you know, changed my diapers when I was a kid. So probably not a lot's going to scare her. But, but if we go to like a neighbor, Paul, would you mind for like, two or three days just you can stay over if you want just you know make sure that the house don't blow up make sure the dog goes out for a couple of walks you know can you just you know make sure the house doesn't flood can you stay here for a couple yeah sure happy to what if they come back and there's pizza boxes and chinese takeout boxes all over the living room 
what if they come back and I, for whatever reason, wanted to sleep in every bed of the house? All the beds are messed up. The the bed sheets smell like me, which probably isn't a good thing. I'm just saying. Uh, maybe you know, I I I. Uh, in the morning before I left, I said, ah, you know, it's cold outside. I'm going to change. So I got my underpants laying around the neighbor comes back and they see that the, the, the lights are all left on in the house for some stupid reason. There's food boxes everywhere. What are Paul's underpants doing on the staircase? That, that, that probably shouldn't be, boy, the house kind of stinks. Did he shower at all while he was here? You know, how you live in somebody else's house for a short amount of time is going to be totally different than how you would do that in your own house because that is not your house. You are entrusted to care for it. You are entrusted to watch over it. You are entrusted to keep your eye on it. You are entrusted to leave it in the same exact condition that it was before you showed up for the first time. You're probably dusting before they come. You're making all the beds before they come. You're vacuuming before they come. You're rearranging the house before they come because you want to show that you're a good steward of that trust, that you're a good steward of what they left in your hands, that you're a good steward of something that means a lot to these individuals. The point in all these examples, again, whether you're dog sitting, whether you're watching somebody's car, whether you're house sitting, Whatever it is, we act differently when something is ours versus when something is not with ours. Maybe we get a little careless. Maybe we get a little reckless. Maybe we just don't care as much. Maybe we don't think as much. It's mine. I can do what I want kind of a thing. When it's somebody else's, it's different. Your mentality changes. Your mindset changes. Your actions change. The things you do and the things you don't do change. Because you kind of recognize, wow, this person entrusted me with this dog. This person entrusted me with his sports car. This person entrusted me with this $700,000 home. I got to take care of it. I got to be a good steward of that trust. I don't want to let these people down. I got to do the best that I can because at the end of the day, it's not mine after all. So why can't we think about money in the same exact way? Two things I want to share with you, and again, this comes out of Scripture. The first thing that I want to share with you, that money in your wallet, that money in your checking account, that money in your IRA, the money that gets deposited from your employer into your checking account, the money that you're going to be earning down the road, that is not your money. That money does not belong to you. And the reason I would say that is how did you earn that money? First of all, I just want you to know, I'm not a communist, okay? I'm not a socialist. I'm not uh, Barack Obama, you didn't build that kind of a thing. That, that, that is not where I'm going with this. But anybody who earns money, now I guess the slight exception could be, you know, if you're one of those grifters who could work but doesn't, you're getting COVID relief funds, you're getting unemployment, you know, oh, my back hurts when maybe it really doesn't and you're getting disability that that's this is going to be a little bit different but money you earn earned money from your job from the side hustle from the gig economy whatever it is that you're doing the only way that you were able to earn that money in the first place is really for a couple of reasons one your talents and abilities well i'm a charismatic person so people pay me to speak well where did that charisma come from that came from god 
Maybe you say, well, I recently got a nice big promotion. Just something, you know, something that kind of came out of the blue. The stars aligned magically on something like that. Well, where did that opportunity come from? That opportunity came from God. Well, you know, I just got this uh, new coaching gig. Uh, I met this guy at a networking event. Gosh, we hit it off right away. He brought me on as one of his coaches. And it's amazing. I'm just tapping into his book of business and making all this kind of money right now. Where did that introduction come from? That introduction came from God. So you are earning your money based on your talents and abilities, which were given to you from God. You're earning your money right now based on these opportunities that have materialized. Those opportunities have come from God. You're earning money based on these people that have come into your life, these random encounters that you've had. Not, It's not the what you know, but who you know kind of thing. Man, I met this guy on LinkedIn. We struck up a conversation. Next thing I know, I'm, I'm his senior vice president. Those relationships come from God. So the only way you're able to make money is because God has ordained it. You could even go even a little bit more granular. You're only alive because of God. So, I mean, the thing we got to do as a society is we all have to humble ourselves at the feet of Jesus Christ. And as it says in scripture, we need to be diminished so that he could be exalted. We have a problem with ego in this country. We have a problem with arrogance in this country. Look at what I've earned. Look at what I make. Look at what my title is. Look at what I've bought with my money. Me, 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 my, 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 I, 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 I. Not true. Not true. You wouldn't have a job if not for God. You wouldn't have talents if not for God. You wouldn't have connections without for God. You wouldn't have breath in your lungs if not for God. You wouldn't be where you are right now without, if not for God. You wouldn't have life if not for God. That money is not yours. And I think when you look at it that way, it goes back to the examples that we talked about earlier. If you think it's your money, well, I can do what I want with it. I'm going to hoard it. I'm, I'm going to put all my money in the bank. I'm going to put all my money under the mattress. I'm going to put all my money in very safe bonds and T-bills and that type of thing. It's my money. I can do what I want with it. Or maybe you, you spend it too lavishly maybe you're a spendthrift you're always in debt you, you just you, you never can make ends meet gosh payday looks great within 72 hours how the heck am i why am i getting all these overdrafts and everything else where's it going maybe it's going to that big tv that you just bought maybe it's going to the huge car payment on that sports car you just bought maybe it's going to all the entertainment and the packer games and the booze and and all these other things that you're spending it on well paul i can do whatever i want it's my money is it or maybe, again, I'm not here to judge. I'm just giving examples. Maybe you're somebody that has a family. You take good care of your family. You allow your kids to go to good schools. You make sure that your kids have clothes. You set some money aside. Like you're an overall a good person, but you look around and there's need all over the place. Your, your, your church is falling apart from a physical perspective. There's crime in the streets. Maybe some of the educational institutions in your area aren't doing as well as they otherwise should be. Maybe your alma mater is trying to do a capital campaign, but your thought is always, you know what? been there, done that. It's time for me to take care of my family. There's need all around, but you're not helping. There's issues all around, but you're not helping. There's challenges all around, but you're not helping. Well, Paul, I don't have to. It's my money. Is it? 
So the first thing I want you to really, really take home as a result of this message here today, it is not your money. If it's my dog, I'm going to be a little rough. I'm going to do what I feel I am comfortable doing because I know my dog. And if my dog got a little hurt or I got a little hurt wrestling, oh, well, big deal. I'm not going to treat my neighbor's dog the same way. It's my money. I'm going to spend what I want. I'm going to give it to whomever I want. I'm going to hide it under my mattress, whatever. What if it's somebody else's money? What what if you are, for instance, like a financial advisor? I, I think this is a pretty apt analogy. You're a financial advisor. Somebody says, hey, I'm going to give you my nest egg. I'm going to give you a million bucks. This is all I have. I trust you. I believe in you. I have a lot of faith in you. Here's my million bucks. Do what you think is best so I have a guaranteed retirement and can live comfortably for the rest of my life. Are you going to take that million bucks and invest it in home improvements? I mean, maybe if you're Bernie Madoff, yeah. But but if you're somebody who's not on an episode of American Greed, the answer is no. You're not going to take that money and do an addition to your house. You're not going to invest that money into something that you that is very speculative. Sure, the the returns could be forty percent, but you know you could also lose it overnight. You're going to be take care of that money because it's not yours. You're going to be safe with that money because it's not yours. You're going to be constantly paying attention to that money. Because it's not yours. You're going to be constantly evaluating the decisions you're making with that money because it's not yours. The same should be true with us in our household finances. It's not ours. It's God's. How you use your money sends a message to God. How you spend your money sends a message to God. How you earn your money sends a message to God. But what I think is most appropriate for this topic here today is one, not only is that money not yours, it's God's, but because it's God's, God wants you to be generous with that money. The best way to honor God is to be generous with the money that he's given you. That's what he wants. That's the behavior that he's trying to codify. Now, I'm not saying you have to give all your money away. I'm not saying you have to take a vow of poverty. I'm not saying you have to have the bank foreclose on your house. But are you being generous with your money? Remember, it's not yours. It's on loan from God to you to help you in this activity called life, but not just to be a blessing to you, but to be a blessing to others, do you give loans out without talking about interest? Do you hoard all of your money and have a scarcity mentality? Or do you make the world a better place for those around you? Maybe you allow your kids to get a toy once in a while. Maybe you take a fun vacation once in a while. Maybe you go out to a nice restaurant once in a while. I mean, again, when used in that manner, as opposed to we're poor, the sky's going to fall. Oh, my gosh, we're going to be out of um, we're going to be on the streets here pretty soon. Hey, we're not going to go to Trump Plaza or, or, or a big five star restaurant. But every so often, hey, let's enjoy what God has given us. Money is to be enjoyed to some degree as long as it's God honoring. Generosity. Are you being generous with your money? Because at the end of the day, if that money is not yours, you are borrowing it. You are watching over it. You are basically the supervisor of that money for a short amount of time. In another word, you are a steward 
of that money. Are you a good steward? Are you taking care of it? Do you recognize its importance? Are you giving it a lot of TLC? Are you making good decisions or are you a bad steward of it? If you're a bad steward of your kids, I don't care about my kids' future. I don't care about what my kids are exposed to. I don't care what my kids see. I'm going to live my life. How do you think those kids are going to turn out? We need to be a good steward of all creation. We need to be a good steward of Mother Earth. We need to be a good steward of the environment. We need to be a good steward of the relationships in our lives. And you also need to be a good steward of the fiscal resources that God so generously bestows upon you. This comes from Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 2. It's very, very short, but it's very powerful. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. If you're a steward in the situation where you're watching someone's dog, were you faithful in your stewardship? Did you watch that dog? Did you take care of the dog? Did you follow all the instructions that the dog's owner gave you? Did you, you know, were you gentle? Were, were you basically doing all the things you needed to do to make sure that that dog was happy, healthy, and safe in your care? Well, if you're a Christian, you're required to be faithful, faithful to the dog, faithful to the dog's owners, and faithful to God, because at the end of the day, the dog is God's creation. If somebody leaves the car at your place and you have it for a week, you are a steward of that car. Make sure that it doesn't get damaged. Make sure that it doesn't get stolen. Make sure that nothing happens to it. Were you found it's required in that situation, since you're a Christian and a steward, it is required that you be found faithful. Your house sitting, you're sitting in that house for your neighbor for a couple of days. You are the steward of that house. You need to make sure that it doesn't burn down. You need to make sure that it's not a hot mess. You need to make sure that, you know, you're not bringing in all these people and rummaging through the underwear drawer and the drug cabinets and all these other kind of things. You are required as a Christian to be faithful in your stewardship in that regard. On a scale of one to 10, 10 being exceptionally well, one being exceptionally poor, how good of a steward are you being with the money that God has given you? Are you constantly in debt? Are you constantly spending it as quickly as you get it? Are your credit card bills through the roof? Are you one of these materialistic people that just needs more stuff? Are you maybe you're a person who's just incredibly cheap, incredibly thrifty? Every dollar that you get goes right into the bank or in the mattress because you don't trust the bank, whatever it is. You, you don't help the family. You don't uh, enjoy it. You don't help individuals and organizations that are in need. Are you a good steward of those financial dollars and cents and opportunities that have been coming your way? And if the answer is no, or if on the scale of one to 10, you're on the lower side, you can change that. You must change that. I'm going to end on this. I do not believe in prosperity gospel. What, what, what does that mean? Prosperity gospel in a layman's term is basically where you say, if I do what God tells me to do, I'm going to be rewarded. If I pray every day, I'm expecting something from God. If I go to church every week, I'm expecting something from God. I'm going to give money to my church. I'm going to give money to my alma mater because I'm expecting something in return. That is prosperity gospel, and that is nonsense. 
I don't believe in that. I don't preach that. That is not how God works. Show me anything in the Bible that talks about prosperity gospel. Just because you do something, you are entitled to a return on that investment. No. However, you know, you hear us talk a lot about God as our father, and he is our heavenly father. I'm a father. Maybe you're not a father. Maybe you're a mother. Maybe you're a grandfather, aunt, uncle, whatever. Just think about a young person in your life, whether it's a biological child, maybe somebody on a sports team that you coach. Maybe you're a teacher and it's a it's a student in the classroom, whatever the case may be. But if you're with a child, let, 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 I'll use my daughter. She's six. Reagan. Maybe you have a young person in your life. If you're trying to teach that person something. So first of all, if you're exhibiting leadership over that young person, you are a steward of that child. I'm responsible for this child, whether I'm babysitting for an afternoon or whether they're my, my son or my daughter. I'm a steward of that child. You are responsible for them. God puts you in a position, even if it's just for two hours while you're babysitting, you are a steward of that relationship. And according to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, you must be found faithful. So how would this work? Again, let's go back to the parent, me and my six-year-old. If I'm trying to get my six-year-old to do something, I'm going to try to codify behavior. So for instance, I might say, because my daughter, like a lot of young people, she likes her screen time, be it on an iPad or uh, the phone that me or my wife has, and, and she, she likes to play her games. Well, I could tell her, hey, you know what? As soon as you clean your room, I'm going to let you have some device time. Well, if I just say, Reagan, clean your room. I don't want to. Reagan, clean your room. No, I don't want to. Well, if you clean your room, I'm going to give you some device time. Ooh, that changes things. She cleans her room. She comes down. She gets a device time. It's my way of starting to tell her, hey, if you do the things I need you to do, if you don't argue with me because I know best, if you just go along with what I'm instructing you to do, I'm going to reward you accordingly. That's what a good parent does. That's what God does. This is different from prosperity gospel. This is God trying to codify behavior. If you're a good steward of the funds that he gives you, if you take care of the money, if you're generous with the money, if you make good decisions with the money, if before you spend the money, you pray about it, Lord, what is your will? Oh my gosh, I just got this, this Christmas bonus of 10,000 bucks. What do I do with it? I don't know. Let me surrender it to Christ and see what he says. If you put God first with respect to your money, if you give glory and honor to God with all the decisions that you make about your money, if you realize it is not your money but God's money, if you can do that with the little things, he will reward you with the big things. Not prosperity gospel, behavior codification. He's proud of you. And you just start making the right decisions. If I've got $10,000 and where do I go with this? Do I invest it in my business? Do I put it in my savings account? Do I buy a couple flat screen TVs? What do I do? I don't know. Let me give it to God. And for a week, I'm praying. For a week, I'm asking for his guidance. For a week, I'm asking for his support. For a week, I'm telling him to tell me what you want me to do. And at some point, you're going to start feeling a certain way about what to do with that money, that's likely God talking to you. I go in this route. Wow, that paid off. I invested it in my business. Maybe it was a CRM. Maybe it was a an, uh, an individual employee. And over time, because of that CRM, that individual employee, whatever it was, 
it worked out well. I put that $10,000 into the organization. I made $67,000. That's not prosperity gospel. That's God saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. Thank you for bringing this to me. Thank you for surrendering that to me. Thank you for laying it all down at my feet. Thank you for listening to my words. Now do it again. Now do it again. Now do it again. You're going to know you're doing it well because you're rewarded in some way. Now all of a sudden you're making the right decisions. You're going down the right path. Opportunities keep presenting itself. All of a sudden it's, wow, this is really working. Maybe I got to keep this behavior up. Maybe I got to keep doing this. Maybe I got to keep surrendering everything to God. Maybe I got to keep realizing this money is not mine. I'm going to be a really, really good steward of it. And because it's God's, I'm going to come back to him to say, Lord, how can I best align my finances with my faith? Lord, how can I best give you glory and honor and all that I do with this money? Lord, how can I keep you at the center of my overall financial plan? It is not your money. You are simply a temporary overseer of that. That money is on loan to you, a.k.a. you are a steward of God's money. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. If you are a steward, you must be faithful. And it's my prayer that you really stress that when it comes to your financial situation. One person who has been an outstanding steward of my trust, of my friendship, and overall of the success of my businesses is Tom Feldhusen, executive advisor. I've been working now alongside Tom for going on about six years. Yes, he's a business coach. Yes, he's helps you with professional development, leadership training, but Tom Feldhusen, executive advisor, is so much more. His skill set is likely on your most important asset, which is your people. I call him the people whisperer. It is amazing how Tom Feldhusen just has helped me with my sales training business, with my speaking business, and also with our ministry here at C-Suite for Christ. It almost just seems like we can't make any wrong personnel decisions because we've got the secret weapon. Tom's skill set is using a proprietary methodology, a proprietary technique, to really answer three questions. A, do you have the right people on your team? If not, we got to do something about it. B, maybe they're the right people, but are they on the right seat of the bus? Maybe we got to do some adjustments. But then C, if you're like me and just about every other organization out there, hey, I need more people for this growing ministry. I need more people for the various endeavors that I have going on. It's easy to fool somebody in a resume. It's easy to fool somebody in one to two 45-minute interviews, you can't fool Tom Feldhusen. So if you're a Wisconsin business owner or CEO, do yourself a favor. Give Tom Feldhusen, executive advisor, a call today at 262-305-2502 and let him help you with your most important asset, your people. We're going to take a very quick break, and then we're going to have Aaron Cade, Chief Marketing Officer of Christian Community Credit Union, coming right up. Need a trade show display? A lobby renovation? Heck, how about help with an event that you're hosting? Captivate Exhibits can do it all. Plus, they're an outspoken faith-based organization that puts Christ first in all that they do. Ready to captivate the attention of the masses? Then check them out today at CaptivateExhibits.com. That's CaptivateExhibits.com. 
And welcome back, everybody. Getting uh, awfully excited because we are just about 60 seconds away or so from our guest of honor, Aaron Cade of Christian Community Credit Union. Before we start having this conversation with Aaron, however, I really just want to implore you to join us in the conversation that we've started. Now, we talk a lot about covering the world in Christ. Now, again, covering the world in Christ, that's not just a fancy marketing slogan. Now, with Aaron being the chief marketing officer for CCCU, he knows a thing or two about some pretty um, pretty slick marketing campaigns. This is not one of them. What this is, covering the world in Christ, this is 100% truly rooted in the Great Commission. As Jesus ascended into heaven, he told all of his followers, hey, I need you guys to go into the world and, you know, create uh, a lot of followers for me, baptize these people in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And it's called the Great Commission. It ain't the great suggestion. It's not the great recommendation. If you don't want to do this, too bad. If you don't feel comfortable about this, get comfortable. Whatever we do, we just need to do something. Maybe you don't have a platform like this. Maybe you're not going to get on the stage and talk in front of a thousand people. But even if you just share this podcast, you are doing your part to honor the Great Commission. Even if you just join the conversation that we've started on social media, follow us on LinkedIn, follow us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel. You are doing your part to cover the world in Christ and honor the Great Commission. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be game-changing. You don't have to get yourself worked up in a tizzy about how impossible of a task this is. Comment on our Facebook page. R- r- write a, a, a share a Bible verse on your social media platform, share this podcast episode with somebody, but whatever you do, do something because we're better together. We're stronger together. And boy, howdy, we're going to cover the world in Christ together. This is part of the reason why I love Aaron Cade so much outside of the fact that he's a lions fan. Don't even get me started on that. But This guy has dedicated his life to covering the world in Christ. His organization, Christian Community Credit Union, every single day is doing their part to cover the world in Christ. And he joins me now for this conversation. Brother Aaron, how are you, sir? I'm doing really well, Paul. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on today. Of course. Well, it's always a blessing to have you. Uh, In addition to being a buddy of mine, you are doing some truly amazing things for Christ every single day. So excited to get your thoughts on this, Aaron. As you know, during this episode, we are unpacking 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, which says this, Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Kind of a nice verse, uh, especially when you're in the credit union industry, to say the least. So, Aaron, to get us going here today, what does 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2 mean to you specifically? Well, Paul, I think of this verse in terms of the blessings God has given each one of us. Uh, the Greek word for steward, oikonomos, essentially means manager, not owner, not the one responsible for creating the resource, but the one who is entrusted to manage it. So in my mind, this verse paints a picture of what it looks like to be a true servant of Christ. It flips the world's definition of accomplishment on its head. The blessings you have are not the mark of your success. Your faithful management of those blessings in service to Christ is. So in my role with Christian Community Credit Union, I often think of the financial gifts God has entrusted with us, but the context here is much broader. For example, God has entrusted us with the good news of Christ and is asking us to steward it well, to share it with others. Well, we're off to a good start. I like the definition. You're already giving us 
several things to think about. So, so, so now that you've walked us through a little bit more about what does it mean to be a good steward? What is, what is Paul saying in this letter to the Corinthians? I guess now to get your own subjective viewpoint here, brother Aaron, do you feel that Christians overall, I know we're painting with a broad brush here. I know there's no way you can know this about every single person, but overall, based on what you do at the credit union, based upon what you're seeing from your end there, do you feel that Christians are good stewards of the financial resources that God has blessed them with? Why or why not, would you say? Yeah, I mean, as you say, it is a broad statement. I think there are many Christians who are, and there are many Christians who may not currently be good stewards, but who desire to be good stewards. But unfortunately, I also think there are many Christians who are susceptible to the lies our secular society tells us. The lie that the quantity of your financial resources is the measure of your worth as a person. The lie that money is the ultimate goal and master. You know, I recall another verse from the Apostle Paul, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Many lose sight of the fact that money can be a wonderful tool, but a terrible master. Now that Apostle Paul knew a thing or two. That's that's for <laughs> darn sure. And 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 yeah, I appreciate you uh, you sharing that because it just constantly gives us some additional information to think about. And you know, one of the things that I hear on a fairly regular basis because C Suite for Christ is a for profit organization. Now we've got ample reasons for why we do that. If you're a listener and you want to learn more, I, I think you would appreciate getting some additional feedback on that. But sometimes that opens you up to criticism. Oh, you're just doing this for the money and oh, you're just trying to generate revenue. Well, you know, as it says in scripture, there is nothing wrong with money. There is nothing wrong with being rich. However, if you make money your God, if you make money your idol, if that's all you do is worship money, that is a substantial issue. And thankfully, there's people like Aaron and organizations like Christian Community Credit Union that are pushing back against that narrative and showing individuals how to live a generous lifestyle based on this revenue. Well, Aaron, you know, we, we've been we've been partners for a while now. We've been actively promoting Triple uh, CU a lot over the last couple of months. But for individuals that are not overly familiar with Christian Community Credit Union, again, from my vantage point, you and your team are doing some truly incredible work to ensure that the finances of every Christian are aligned with their faith. For, for you, what does that mean to, to make sure that your finances are aligned with your faith? And, and how can somebody make sure that that is indeed happening on their side? So I can share with you some some things that we've learned uh, in research. You know, this was sparked by over the last year, we've had new members tell us as they joined the credit union, how fed up they were with their secular bank and how thankful they were to find out that there was a Christian alternative like CCCU. So we decided to go out and get empirical data to see if these were just anecdotes or indicative of a larger movement. So we recently conducted a national survey of over 1,300 professed Christians. Over 30% of them told us they were considering switching banks and had done so over the last 12 months. Christian values were among the top three reasons they wanted to do that. 60% told us they care deeply about managing their finances biblically to honor God with every transaction. Them. They say it's now more important than ever that their bank reflects, aligns, and supports their Christian values. 
So when they look at the secular banks, when they look at the big banks, they see unethical business practices. They see mismanagement or even immoral investment decisions. And that it creates tension. They feel they 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 don't feel good about how their bank is using their resources um, and how misaligned it is with their faith and values. So they don't see alignment with the ways, purposes, and plans of God. So we find that when they learn about us, and I appreciate C-Suite for Christ and you for helping spread the word about who Christian Community Credit Union is, who we serve, and our heart for service and giving. Um, because when when Christians learn that there's a Christian alternative out there, they're delighted. Uh, they come and they join us and they um, and they're thankful for that. Because at CCCU, you can get you'll get great rates and low fees for certain, but you also get the satisfaction knowing that your money is put to work expanding God's kingdom. It's helping build new churches and helping ministries grow, and supporting Christian ministries and charities that are the hands and feet of Jesus across the globe. Yeah, and for me personally, that's that's the primary reason why I wanted to make sure that there was a close collaboration between our organizations. That's part of the reason why I love promoting Christian Community Credit Union as often as we do. Because in, I, I sit back, and again, I'm a business guy. I'm an entrepreneur. I own several organizations. Banking is a huge part of this. And sometimes it's frustrating when you see all this stuff in the news about ESG, about how these banks are investing my money in mm -hmm. things that they like, that, that are totally misaligned with my values or you know, organizations, you'll see this in the news where big banks will, will just close accounts that belong to some Christian nonprofits with no explanation given. Yet a lot of these other secular organizations, secular nonprofits, their bank accounts are left alone. So it, it just seems to some degree that there's a war against Christianity when it comes to, to banking. And it's a blessing to see an organization like yours standing firm. I guess to take that another step further, and again, you can't possibly know this for every single organization, but I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Why, why are such, why are Christian values lacking in so many financial organizations today? Like, I, I'm not saying like BMO Harris has to be a Christian organization or U.S. Bank has to be a Christian organization, but you know, empathy and in in tolerance for people of faith. Why do you think so much of that is lacking in the financial world today? I think it comes from where uh, an organization's priorities are and the people leading that organization, where their priorities are. If the priority is solely to maximize profit for shareholders and profit is good. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying it's not, but if it's to maximize profits for shareholders at the expense of other things, um, you can, you can start to see some pretty distorted decision-making occur where, um, where people pursue unethical business practices to generate more revenue and more profits, where you see management um, building products that trick consumers, where, that are hard to understand, that are um, that uh, that are are difficult to manage, um, and it's when money and profit is in service of when it is a tool, not the end. That's when good things can happen. Um, so at, at Christian Community Credit Union, we are a, a member-owned cooperative. So we are owned by our members. The profits we make go back to our members in the form of better rates and lower fees. 
and also gives us the ability to give to Christian charities across the globe. Um, so making money is, is there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's a, it's, it's a good thing to do. Um, it's, it has to be in service of God's purpose, um, not the master in and of itself. Yeah, and I think that's very well said. And one of the things, Aaron, that, that I think is coming through over the course of this conversation, it has obviously come through with your interaction with C-Suite for Christ members, plus the conversations that you and I have had uh, over the past year or two. But you are just very, very passionate, not, not just about money, not just about banking, not even just about Christianity, but you are very, very passionate about making sure that Christians utilize their finances in a way that is aligned with their faith. A lot of people don't know anything about that. A lot of people don't think about that. A lot of people don't make it a priority. You do, and you are exceptionally passionate about that. I guess my question is why? Of all the things in the world you could be passionate about, of all the things you could be dedicating your time towards, why this? And and, and is there is there a story behind it that might explain the fire in the belly that you have? <laughs> yeah, there, it's, I mean, it's, there's a recurring pattern that I've seen in my life and in the lives of friends and family, those I love, as well as here at the at the credit union. Um, it is when you when you are giving, when you are giving back, when you are in when you are giving back to God what God has entrusted you with, He multiplies the impact. Um, when you when you treat resources as a tool to manage faithfully, God multiplies the impact you have. Uh, and I'm, I'll give you a recent example uh, of where that happened. Uh, Christian Community Credit Union made a donation to American Baptist Home Mission Society to help in the disaster recovery and the rebuilding efforts in Maui after the, the recent devastating wildfires. We asked our members to pray, prayerfully consider doing the same thing. Um, and in the end, God just worked, worked through our, our members. Um, in the end, 60% of the, the total number of donors to their hour of giving at American Baptist Home Mission Society, 60% of them were CCCU members. Um, so it brings to mind to me another, another uh, verse um, out, of, out of Luke chapter 16, verse 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. Well, and as you know, Aaron, better than just about anybody, when it comes to our ministry at C-Suite for Christ, we do not put our faith, we do not put any stock necessarily in the human word. Instead, we put all of our faith, all of our stock in the heavenly word. And what I love is, is I mean, not only is Aaron saying things that I agree with, all these things are backed up with scripture. Don't believe it because Aaron's saying it. Certainly don't believe it because I'm saying it. That Newberger's a knucklehead after all. <laughs> but but again, this is coming straight out of scripture. If you're a Christian who believes in the infallibility of the Bible, how can you not take this seriously? How can you not make this a priority? And in a society today where money is so glorified, my goodness, you know, you're only successful if you have money. You're only in the in crowd if you have money. You see all these people on television and whatever else, money, money, money. We got to be very serious about this. And Aaron, I have absolutely zero doubt because I've dealt with this on my own as an entrepreneur, but also as a, as a person responsible for the family finances, that it takes discipline and hard work to ensure that your finances are aligned with their faith. You have to do your research. You, you, you got to take some time. You got to make some tough decisions. It's, it's not the easiest thing in the world. And in today's society, regrettably, 
discipline and hard work may have a slightly negative connotation. So, you know, when we tell somebody it's going to take some work to make sure that your faith is aligned with your finances. Oh, I don't have time for this. I just want to hit the easy button. However, if someone is willing to put in the work and effort, what are some of the benefits that they're going to be uh, reaping as a result? Well, I, I think the biggest benefit of aligning your finances with your faith is the peace that comes from knowing that the money God has entrusted with you is helping to expand the gospel, not silence it. It's knowing that your money, the money you've put on deposit, helps finance new churches and helps ministries grow, not fund immoral practices. And then when it comes to your own personal finances, here's what it really comes down to. A small time investment to switch banks. Think of switching like adopting a new spiritual practice. Just as you might spend time journaling after your daily devotional or spend time establishing a new spiritual habit, take a few moments to align your finances with your faith and make the switch to Christian Community Credit Union. Well, that certainly makes sense to me. And Aaron, I know we still got a couple of minutes to go. Boy, time always flies when I'm talking to you, sir. But, uh, you know, again, going back to Scripture, again, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. Moreover, it is required of stewards, not suggested, not, um, you know, uh, not recommended. It is required of stewards that they be found faithful. So when you use that word required with respect to someone being a good steward of God's blessing, again, just in your opinion, because you're so passionate about this, because you spend a lot of time meditating on this, on any given day, what do you think happens if someone is not faithful in this regard? In your opinion, what are the repercussions of someone who is just not honoring that requirement and is not as faithful as they should be? Yeah, I mean, I the opposite of faithful in this context is a selfish focus on doing your will, not God's will. Uh, it's bowing to societal pressure to celebrate self above others to place yourself above God. And when a person is not faithful, they tend to focus on the tangible rewards of the financial outcomes and miss God's true blessing, which are his promises, provision, presence, and love. And that lack of faith creates separation from God. And that ultimately causes much grief, as, as the Apostle Paul says, pierces the heart with many griefs. Well, and one of my favorite things, Aaron, as we get ready to wrap up our conversation here today, one of my favorite things about Christian Community Credit Union is, one, it's not even the fact that Christ is at the center of all that they do, although that is really, really amazing. Uh, but two, you know, again, like an organization, they're trying to make a profit as well. But rather than these profits going to big corporate bonuses or corporate jets. Now, Aaron's got a pretty impressive corporate jet. I'm not going to lie. Uh, of course, I'm kidding. But uh, but, you know, rather than investing money in that, what I love is Christian Community Credit Union invests in churches, invests in ministries, invests in missions, is really using these financial resources to be a blessing and to share the gospel all over the world, which is one of my favorite things about them. In fact, if you become a member of Christian Community, Christian Community Credit Union, they will actually make a donation to the ministry of your choice. Aaron, because we have a pretty large audience here, if somebody elects to become a member, first of all, where do they go to learn a little bit more about Christian Community Credit Union? But also, number two, if they check it out and it turns out to be a fit for them, can you describe what this program is and, and how you go about making a donation to the ministry of their choice? Yeah, so the, the, the place to visit is myccu.com slash C-suite. 
That's mycccu.com slash C-suite. And there you'll see options for um, the products we offer, ways of becoming a member of the credit union. When you go through the process of becoming a member of the credit union, just choose C-Suite for Christ as your eligibility. Um, it's a, it, the, the ministry of C-Suite for Christ is your eligibility. That'll allow us to know that you're coming from from uh, from among the, this audience, from among um, from among the many faithful stewards in the C-Suite for Christ audience, and then um, and then we'll uh, we'll reach out to you um, afterwards to get uh, once you become a member to uh, to get the information on the ministry of choice that you would like to support with your donation. Yeah, that's awesome. And my, my final words for the audience here: number one, you know, with respect to the theme, just. And I'll be honest, I fall victim of this as well, too. It, it says I got money coming in. Well, great. I'm going to use this to fund my retirement. I'm going to use this to pay some bills. I'm going to use this to pay some vendors. I don't often stop and think, are these organizations that I'm paying? Are these institutions I'm giving money to? Are they in alignment with my Christian beliefs? And regrettably, sometimes the answer is they're not. So number one, I would just encourage you to do that. That's the big takeaway. Just just make sure that your faith is in alignment with your financial decisions. But number two, it could be very easy for us to throw up our hands and say, oh, all is lost. I'm one single person. What am I going to do to stop the wokeness in corporate society? What am I going to do to to turn this society around? Well, you know, look at what we're doing as a ministry to cover the world in Christ. 107,000 followers on LinkedIn. We're up to 20 chapters all across the world. We have 3,000 individuals associated with us. What would have happened if I and my leadership team said, oh, we're just one person. Why even continue this process? All I would just say is just we can change things. We can stop funding woke financial institutions. We can stop promoting ESG. We can stop the harassment of Christians and nonprofits just by giving our money, which we want to invest anyway, using products and services that we have anyway to an organization like Christian, Christian Community Credit Union. These organizations are going to notice when we pull our money out. These organizations are going to notice when we send money to organizations that better reflect our values and who better than an organization like this to support. So uh, more information about Aaron Cade specifically and Christian Community Credit Union will be available in the description here of this podcast. So if you want to talk to him and learn a little bit more, but also if you want to get to know Aaron better, become a member of C-Suite for Christ. He's a regular at our gatherings. He's a regular at our functions, and it's a blessing to have him in our ministry. So Aaron Cade, the Chief Marketing Officer of Christian Community Credit Union, thank you so much, brother, for being on the program here today. Thank you, Paul. It's a real pleasure to be with you. Absolutely. Don't go anywhere, gang. I'm going to be back with some closing thoughts in just a couple seconds. Well, as we get ready to say goodbye here in another episode of the C-Suite for Christ podcast, just want to say thank you to my good friend and brother in Christ, Aaron Cade, the chief marketing officer over at Christian Community Credit Union. Like we're talking about this, this banking world, I don't care what you say, we're not politically correct on this podcast. There's a lot of anti-Christian animus, be it this ERG nonsense, be it this, you know, global currency bullcrap, be it... Uh, you know, you read about these stories about a lot of these how these Christian nonprofits all of a sudden one day they got an account with a business like J.P. Morgan Chase or Citigroup. And then two weeks later, it's been closed. Where did it go? How, how come it didn't happen to the to that group or the secular organization? Why is it just happening to Christian groups? Christian Community Credit Union is literally an organization you can have faith in. And I'm very blessed to call Aaron a friend. And it's wonderful to have 
CCCU as a supporter of this podcast. So real quick, the again, the verse that we unpack today is coming to us from 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Every day we're stewarding something. We're stewarding somebody's love. We're stewarding the job that we have on behalf of our employers. We're stewarding our children so that they can become good adults. We're stewarding the material things that we have, be it our cars, be it our pets, heck, be it our technology in our homes. But we are also stewarding money because that money is not ours. That money is a gift from God. The only reason you have that money is because of your talents and abilities, which God gave you because of the opportunities that have presented themselves, which have come from God, and to some degree because of the people that you met along the way. Those relationships, that networking opportunity has also come from God. You must recognize that because if it's on loan from somebody else, in this case, if it's on loan from God, you are a steward and you are required, according to Scripture, to be found faithful. And one of the best ways to be faithful with the financial resources that Christ has given you is to keep him firmly at the center of it, which means you pray when you're thinking about big financial decisions. It means you don't become overly El Cheapo where you don't help anybody around. You, you can give generously when appropriate. You can support some, some causes. You can make sure that the way you give glory and honor to God and the way that you show thanks for the blessings that he's given to you is by returning those to him through being a blessing to others. So it's my prayer that whether you work with Christian Community uh, Christian Community Credit Union or not, whether you become more generous, whether you start coming to Christ before you make big financial decisions, whatever you do, do something. Because we are stewards of this money. We are stewards of God's creation. And we are stewards of the Great Commission which means we need to go into the world to make disciples of all nations. And it is my sincerest prayer that you will join me in being a steward in that regard. I'm Paul M. Newberger, the founder of C-Suite for Christ. We'd love to have you be a steward of the Great Commission via our ministry at C-Suite for Christ. Go to our website to learn more, csuiteforchrist.com. I'm Paul M. Newberger. Thank you so much for listening to us today, and we'll see you back here next time. Thank you for joining us on the C-Suite for Christ podcast. People everywhere are thirsting for Christ. Our goal is to cover the world in Christ using hope, encouragement, and God's nourishing words. We hope you'll join us. Please visit csuiteforchrist.com and come back soon for more conversations centered around God's endless love for us all. I saw you in my dreams before I came here I will keep you in my dreams when I leave here I won't forget you, no, 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 no I won't forget you You're like one of a kind